Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, it finally happened. Andy Kennedy finally got off the bubble and into the NCAA tournament without winning the SEC tournament. Uh, it's, a, it's a crazy day, John. This is, of course, Landsharks After Dark. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, joined by my co-host, John Stefanzik. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit, little bit today about the, uh, the NCAA tournament, which Ole Miss is technically in. I had this debate uh, with some of my friends yesterday. Like, does the playing game count? It's like, yes, it's a 68-team tournament. We're in. We're in. We're not in the NIT. Ole Miss is in the tournament, uh, although they do have to win a game tomorrow on Tuesday against BYU to uh, advance to the original, to the round of 64. So um, that's kind of what happened this week. I'm going to go to John now, catch up with him. John, you know, we want our weekly weather update. Is it warming up in Boston yet? Have you thawed out? Please tell us you're okay. <laughs> well, <clears throat> Hello, everybody, for another week. And uh, as you, you know, it, it is pretending to warm up. But yesterday, in honor of the historic history of Andy Kennedy actually being on the correct side of the bubble decision, uh, we got another three inches of snow, which makes this the uh, snowiest uh, single season snowfall or most snow in a single season in the history of Boston measured at Logan Airport, surpassing the 1995-96 winter record. So Andy Kennedy actually survives the bubble, and we have historical snowfall in Boston. So and it coincides with a historic number of home losses for Andy Kennedy, but somehow still in the tournament. So, yeah, that's where we are. Um, I think last time we talked – Ole Miss was headed to the SEC tournament, kind of talking a lot of noise, honestly. Snoop White's going in saying, yeah, we're confident in this building. Last time we played in Bridgestone Arena, we, we won the tournament. Uh, we're going to come in. We play our best on the road. We're going to shoot well. And that is not what happened at all against South Carolina. Uh, Ole Miss had, I think, 22 turnovers. Looked totally flat the whole game. Um, despite shot, shot 30%. Kind of an, right, just awful. And despite a crazy ending where – it looked like Jarvis Summers was going to pull out the win on a and-one made three-pointer. Uh, we turned around and made a huge mental error, and Snoop White fouled a South Carolina player taking a buzzer beater, which is just inconscionable if you're a basketball player or fan. You know, you, you just you can't contest a running shot like that. But Ole Miss is eliminated in the first round, um, sat out the rest of the weekend just really sweating, watching bubble teams, uh, just afraid of every soul and bid. And yesterday, um, when the when the field comes out, Ole Miss ends up in the playing game. The last team officially announced, uh, I believe, John, uh, of the entire field was the, the Ole Miss BYU playing game in Dayton tomorrow. So they definitely made Andy and his team sweat. But hey, uh, they, they gave him some respect. They, they gave those three top 50 non home wins a little bit of respect. And even though, you know, the team hasn't looked great in the last maybe eight games, um, they're still in the tournament. So that's the way it is. John, uh, do you think the Rebels. Fairly got that that eleven seed play in. Do you think that deserved a little better? Maybe. What was your thoughts on the on the field of sixty four or sixty eight? It was interesting when the uh, NCAA released their uh, their the seeding list. Ole Miss was the 
was the highest of the play-in teams, and UCLA was right above them. So essentially, the way yeah. I took it as if they had won the game at South Carolina, which basically would require not turning the ball over 7,000 times and shooting better than 30% from the field, or not committing a foul with .7 seconds left. I didn't see any of that game. I saw Twitter and implode. I watched the replay and went, you know, and basically sat there and said, well, they've essentially blown their shot. But then they were, everybody still had them in the tournament. And then the interesting thing is, is like they're, the bubble was not good this year. It's been bad for like three years in a row now, it seems like. But they have those three quality wins at Oregon, at Arkansas, neutral side against Cincinnati. They really, I mean, they have a strong road resume. And as you mentioned, I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I saw, I don't know if you saw the Andy Kennedy's like interview after uh, he got in the tournament. He basically said, said he, was, he and uh, Bill Armstrong, assistant coach, were sitting there going, This is like, we have the most screwed up resume ever because we have seven home losses, yet we have a really one of the best, arguably, that might have been one of the best road resumes AK's, an AK team's ever put together. It could be the best. It is b- probably mm-hmm. by far the worst home resume because they couldn't. They couldn't beat anybody in the tad pat, which is kind of fitting for that building. I mean, I, you can people. That's a whole sure. other discussion. But the tad pad should have been replaced twenty years, well, fifteen years ago. That, like I said, that's another topic. ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. Years 15. Ago. No, absolutely. Nice. This season was a was a fitting finale for the tad pad. Uh, just just miserable. Just very happy we don't have to play an NIT game in that building because honestly, John, I thought is if Ole Miss was a was a top four seed in the NIT. That was it. I thought we were about to have a Robert Morris Kentucky moment and we were going to lose to a no-name school in just miserable fashion because all this team has been focused on all year is making the tournament. And uh, I was pretty worried there at the end that it wasn't going to happen. But And honestly, man, it could all be over. I mean, we're lucky we're recording this episode on Monday because Ole Miss's March Madness could very easily end on Tuesday. Uh, BYU is not a pushover. For an 11 seed, I think they're a pretty solid club. Uh, I believe they're second in the country in points per game. Uh, pretty perimeter-oriented from what I've read, which is um, a matchup problem potentially for Ole Miss. Uh, I saw a tweet right before we came on here uh, by one of the reporters that's in Dayton saying that uh, they have four players over six foot ten. It's going to be a tough matchup for the Rebels. What do you think about BYU, John? Do you know anything about them? Do you have any uh, thoughts on how the game's going to happen tomorrow? I really don't know much about BYU. I did. From a resume standpoint, they did beat Gonzaga. Who? Where do they fall? Are they a two seed? I've got the bracket. I could find them. But, yeah, they're the two seed behind Nova. Maybe or some, they're a two seed. Yeah, they're a two seed. So they, they have a very obviously it's a quality win. The criticism of BYU is their schedule wasn't very strong, and the way the bubble fell this year. If you scheduled well, you essentially got in the tournament. All everything else mm-hmm. being equal, so they kind of punish BYU for not having a very rigorous slate. But, I mean, they're, I mean, their RPI, all their metrics came out. I think arguably BYU should not have been in a play-in game. There are probably a few other teams that – I would say Texas or UCLA probably deserves to be in Dayton over BYU. But NCAA has got to sell some tickets. So, let's, let's right, appease exactly, these schools. Exactly. But regardless, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a great matchup for Ole Miss. But I do think it is – I think it's good for them to turn around and play – and play soon after their uh, disappointment Thursday because now they now they basically feel like they blew it. Now hopefully they get a spark Redemption. from, from yeah. we're still alive and kind of kind of like with Tennessee last year. I mean they Tennessee snuck in as one of the last four teams and then uh, won the playing game, won won their uh, second and third round games and uh, basic basically they would have been in the elite eight if it weren't for a fifty fifty uh, 
charge the wings Jarnell Stokes last year. So I mean, and obviously in the, mm-hmm. in the first year they did the, the these first four games, VCU made it to the Final Four. So I mean, this you can. The point is, is you can make a run from Dayton. That is not an issue. Sure. I mean, I, honestly, I think I think the winner of this BYU Ole Miss game has a great shot to advance all the way to the Sweet Sixteen at least, just because. You know Xavier is is beatable, and then and then Baylor is beatable. Yeah, I think the the bracket in Jacksonville doesn't scare me whatsoever. I think right. I think BYU is arguably as tough of a game as they'll play because if exactly. they can beat if they can beat BYU and just get a win, now you have confidence and you're like we, you know, we we're basically on death row. We got out, we bounced back. I mean, and I, mm-hmm. Xavier's a beatable team, and Baylor's not. They, they really fell in a soft spot. They just have to play an extra game. So we'll see how that right. works out. As you said, the, the toughest game, it looks like at this point, of those first three, from from our perspective, would yeah. be BYU. So that game, I think, is tomorrow around 8 Central, John, on True TV, something 9, like that. 9, Eastern to the tip I saw. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be about 8 Central. Yeah. So um let's let's look at the rest of the field a little bit uh how many sec bids on four or five i think five because what georgia lsu we have Arkansas, K- kentucky yeah it was six with a&m and a- that's A&M. it it's fine did a&m it's fine. lose yeah. to auburn is that right I yeah think. a&m did lose to auburn um they said auburn for- kind of made a little mini run there in the uh in the sec tournament beat a&m uh beat george not georgia they beat another LSU. one they beat lsu right yeah they they yep. So yeah, LSU sneaks in as an 11 seed, I believe. No, I think they're a nine, which I have no idea how they're a nine seed after just. Oh, you're right. Yeah, after they're after the nine so, seed. so many Johnny Jones moments, but that see LSU's a team. State. They're a nine and play. They they play North Carolina State, who's a up and down team. It would not shock me one bit if LSU like won on. Let's see the nineteenth. They won on Thursday and then turn around and beat Villanova, like because they had. I mean, mm-hmm. LSU's got one of the ten most talented rosters in the country potentially. So mm-hmm. supposedly, the, but no, the, I, I agree with you. That's that's a winnable game for for LSU. Both those games. Um, I, I think it all is about matchups for LSU. I mean, if they can get a good matchup with Mickey inside, uh, they can really go to work. Um. Who else? Who else landed in the bracket here, John? Obviously, Kentucky's, Kentucky's the one seed, number one overall uh, seed. Some inside advice: if you if you're in a big bracket pool, pick somebody other than Kentucky to actually win the tournament, because mm-hmm. you know everybody's going to pick Kentucky. They probably will win. But here's the thing: if they're in a title game or the Final Four, they're going to get to the Final Four. I don't even think that's a question. But if they're 38, 39, and 0, going for history against. Oh, pick a team of a scrappy Wisconsin or a Duke with the or Duke with Shashesky and that talented roster. I mean, UVA, UVA is across the bracket. That 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 they would be playing a good team. They would also be they would also be playing against history at that point. So you got a shot. If I I guess what I'm saying, if I was in a bracket pool of 30, 40 people, I would pick somebody other than Kentucky just to be different because the re- the reality is is that I mean nine times out of ten, whoever wins that wins the uh, picks the winner. So. Right. It looks like Arizona is the is the cute pick right now. If you're trying to pick against Kentucky, um, I had them in my Final Four, but I had to pick Kentucky personally. Yeah, I think. I mean, the flip side do you, is what do you think personally? Yeah, personally, what do you think about you know the pursuit of perfection? Do you think it's going to happen? Because I didn't at first. For the first half of the season, I thought they were going to drop a game, but they are on a mission right now. They're 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 going to run the table here. I don't think. 
I mean, they have to shoot the ball poorly, have atrocious foul trouble, and have the other team play really well to lose. I mean, they have all three right. of those things two of, two, two of those things can happen. Two of the three can happen every game, and they're still going to win. They have to all happen at the exact same time for them to lose a game. Exactly. I'm looking through yeah. the bracket here. Uh, Let's see. So we got LSU, Kentucky. Where did Arkansas end up? Arkansas, they? they're a five in the Western, which is the Wisconsin seeding. So I they, see that, yeah. So they're in Jacksonville. With, they play Wofford the first game. I saw some people and say Wofford. felt like UNC or Harvard. And then Chapel yeah. Hill. How is UNC a four seed with 11 losses? That's interesting. But I guess it's eight, the whole ACC thing. I mean, I, Wait, did they beat Duke? No, Duke beat them. I don't know how they're in. I don't know yeah, how they're four seed. Though. Arkansas is extremely athletic. I mean, they could eat. I mean, they could easily win two games, and they would put, pit them against Wisconsin. Actually, in Arkansas, Wisconsin. Yeah, that, be that would really be a good matchup for them. I think the way the Wisconsin plays could match up pretty interestingly with Arkansas style. Very different styles. Exactly. For, yeah, from a stylistic standpoint, that'd be interesting. But the bottom half of that is, is, is where Ole Miss falls. If Ole Miss can beat BYU, they got a shot at getting out of Jacksonville. But I don't yeah. know. We'll see. The, the, the Ole Miss's problem is that everybody has scouted Moody and what his like tendencies exactly. are, and can they get can they get a second and third score? Which I think I think if someone like MJ Rhett can step up and have a big game down low and with the with the elbow shot, and then you couple that with the solid guard performance from either Jarvis Moody or White. And I think that's dangerous, you know. But I think you can't just have perimeter scoring. I think you have to have either Saez or Rhett or perhaps Colby, but probably one of those first two um, have like a, a ten board eight point night. Yeah, they got to get an offensive presence down low with Rhett. He's got the most offensive talent, and then yeah. Let's. I mean, we've said it for a month now. Jarvis. I mean, it's not too late for Jarvis Summers to to go to get get hot and go on a run. But he, it's almost too late. It's almost too late. If he well, doesn't get hot tomorrow, his career is over. You know, that's. I mean, you're right. It's not too late, and we can keep hoping for it. But so far, it's been um, not fulfilled when we predict such. Things. He did have that borderline miracle play with three seconds left against South Carolina. It was I amazing. I thought the went, game was over. Went, he just like of all moments for. To have that happen after the year he's had, what a way to, what a way! And then they turn around and and Snoop White has a uh, quite, has a mental lapse there to say the least. But I mean, go- as a player known for mental lapses, I mean that has to be the worst in Snoop White's career. I I love the kid; he's he's yeah. awesome and is so such a nice guy, you know. But that was just brutal. It's a brutal way to lose. But hopefully, Ole Miss can bounce back like we talked about. And the kicker, Snoop White can get hot, go for twenty, look like and look like an NBA two guard. And then just yes, make, he's so athletic. He's yeah. the most athletic player on the team, like we've said. I mean, now Moody, but he doesn't. He he has like a lot better skill set than Moody. Just not skills necessarily, but physical uh, size obviously yeah. is more NBA level than Moody's. Yeah, let's so, see. Wisconsin. Yeah, where's Georgia? We we left off Georgia. They are over here in the East. They're the they're the ten. They play uh, Michigan State. Michigan State, and then Virginia's yeah. the two there. Um, Michigan State's coming off a run to the Big Ten final, I believe. I would. That's a tough match because is is a terrific tournament coach, but Mark Fox is is too. I don't, I don't like that game for Georgia though because I think Michigan no. State seems like they're playing well and they you know that they have a that I mean you know they're they're always a, a prudent tournament team with Fox. I mean there. Georgia's two best losses are are Ole Miss. I mean, you know, two best ones. Yeah. It, it, yeah, sorry, sorry, that's what I meant. Two best, Ole Miss is two, 
two best losses there. No, yeah, that's a, I mean, it was a good season for Georgia, but they didn't really knock off anybody that spectacular. They had Ole Miss's number. It was a bad matchup, but I don't know. I, I don't have the most faith in them to pull off that 7-10 upset. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at – I haven't really thought looked at a bracket yet. I'll give you some off the cuff. I think I think Villan, Villanova will go through the East – Except LSU is the sleeper. Except, well, LSU could win two games and they'd lose Sweet 16 because Johnny Jones is going to Johnny Jones. But I think Nova's are likely bet there. Uh, give me, it's either going to be Duke or Iowa State out of the South. Um, yeah, that I, was a Iowa tough State's one for me. Do you want to hear? You want to hear my Elite Eight? I want to hear it. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so I did that this morning. This is my first bracket. I made it this morning. Um, I got Kentucky and Kansas. Uh, out of the first bracket, and they're going across um, from Louisville and UVA. I Louisville beating Villanova. I don't know; it's a gut thing. Um, and then in the South, uh, I got Wisconsin, Arizona, and then I actually picked SMU to come out uh, with Duke. Duke and SMU in the Elite Eight, but that's that's kind of a crapshoot. Obviously, Gonzaga and and SMU would probably be a pretty good matchup. Um, the rest of their bracket's pretty weak. I mean. Iowa State could be interchanged with SMU, but I think it's one of those three teams. Uh, and then Final Four, I've got Kentucky, Arizona, UVA, and Duke. And then I got Kentucky beating UVA in the final. Obviously, there's a lot of talk on both sides about UVA. I don't know. It's just my first bracket. I might take another whack at it, but that was kind of my gut, my gut bracket this morning. Yeah, I'll say I think Kentucky. I'll, I'll take Notre Dame out of the Midwest. They have yeah, a, a lot of people. That's a hot pick right now. They have a super soft uh, second and third round set of games, and then can't. I'm not. I don't buy the Kansas thing. I think they find a way to lose this year. Um, this, this they have they have all year besides the, the tournament. The so Wisconsin bracket's interesting because they they're gonna. I think Oregon beats Oklahoma State. Oregon's been hot lately. I mean, they went from a bad team and almost played them to a really good team, which is actually yeah, I picked that. So Oregon will challenge them, but I think Wisconsin wins. I think Arkansas can get out of, can get out of that little quadrant and then give Wisconsin a game. It'll be interesting from a style standpoint. But I'll I will take Wisconsin. Um, they'll they'll play Arizona. Arizona's got to be looking their chops at, the, at their path to the Elite Eight. They really got a good, a favorable draw. Yeah, so, they, they got a great one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Arizona's going all the way to the Final Four, most likely. I, I agree. mean, unless unless Ole Miss catches them, you know, I do have Ole Miss making it to the Sweet Sixteen game against Arizona. Because why not? Ole Miss. I, I almost feel like Ole Miss does that, or they lose to BYU tomorrow. If, if you put a gun to my head, I think they lose. Right, to BYU. and so so technically, technically, tomorrow. I picked the Ole Miss BYU winner. So really, I mean, that's just smart. That's just smart bracket <laughs> is to take the two options over the one. Yeah, because either it's either Ole Miss or BYU, I think we'll win a couple games. We'll see what happens. Yeah, give me Arizona, Kentucky in the Final Four out of that side. Go to the other. Um, I don't believe in Gonzaga. Give me Iowa State to the Elite Eight versus Duke. Cyclones. Oh, hell. Shusheski will final way to lose. Give me Iowa State to the Final Four. Why not? Um, oh, wow. Hot takes. Man. I just don't see a good team in that bracket. If you don't believe in Gonzaga. No, that's fair. You don't believe in Duke? No, Duke loses way early in a, all, a lot of these tournaments. shusheski has got such a – like a – prestigious perception and he's a great okay coach, but look they're not they're not losing they're not losing first round nope they're not they're not losing to st john's or san diego no, state they're not they're in the sweet 16 right and then so you think they lose to utah or georgetown like that's the question no they don't i think they get to the elite eight because that because they have okay and then and then all they have to beat is either smu gonzaga iowa state i mean i don't know man 
Jahil Okafor is really good. But yeah. someone was telling me today, you know, if he gets in foul trouble, they do not have much of a, a depth backup plan down low. So that's something to think about. Yeah, that's true. That, you know, if, if there was a region for somebody just to totally surprise, I think this is actually the one. Because, I, you know, Duke is the best team in here, but they're susceptible to screwing up. So, unless I would say it's had a great year. That's fair. Yeah, so I, I think they just kick out a, could sneak in there. And if SMU getting hot and making a run would not shock me either. That's the other. They've been really good down the stretch. Yeah, so then with this final, the Eastern bracket, um, let's see. Yeah, who you got in the East? Virginia's in the Elite. Oh, I how is Oklahoma three at 22 and 10? That makes no sense. Uh, Virginia's in the Elite <laughs> Eight team. God, this NCAA is just like, give me the cash. What else is new? This is absurd. And I'll. Let's see. I think Villanova goes, although LSU winning two games would be so like the most Johnny Jones things ever. I can't, I've said that like four times already, but I can just totally see that happening. But I will pick Villanova. And then let's put – yeah, let's put Virginia. I'll put Virginia in the Final Four as well. Yeah. Give me – They're just going to grind it. I think Virginia's going to grind the way I'm actually, the Final Four. I think yeah, I agree with you. It's Virginia-Kentucky title game. Kentucky wins it. So, after all that, yeah. we have the same – That's what I picked. Game. I picked a very uh, – Kentucky-Virginia final score of 53-42. I yeah. thought that was fitting. I thought that, that was fitting for the right. way both both teams play. Yeah. But yeah. That's so, the product. That's the product right. college basketball deserves. Exactly. So that's our that's our little March Madness segment, a uh, little look at the brackets and a little discussion on Ole Miss. I mean, just to, to touch again on the obvious, this is two or three years for Andy Kennedy. Um, really a huge momentum swing. This is basically, to me – this is like uh, Hugh Freeze winning the Egg Bowl in year three. You you take it from, you know, instead of going one out of three, you're going two out of three. Or instead of letting State go four out of five, you're switching it to two out of three. AK could easily have let the narrative become only one tournament in nine seasons. And now the narrative is two in the last three going into the new arena. So it's a great thing for his momentum as a coach. And you got to think the program's momentum. Although... Um, we have questions about next year, obviously. I think we talked about that off the air a little bit uh, last week or two. You know, who's the point guard if it's not Malik Newman? Uh, where are the bigs coming from? You know, there's obviously questions we're going to get to in the offseason. But, it, you know, it's a good thing for the program to, to go to the tournament in two or three years. So, good for Andy Kennedy. Good yeah, for Ole Miss going to the new arena. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned Malik Newman. I mean, honestly, the biggest – you could argue the biggest thing that happened last night with him getting in the tournament – was the, the odds of getting Malik Newman, if they had missed the tournament, probably about 2%. I'd say they're 20 to 25 with nobody really feeling confident about him. That His recruit – I don't think anybody knows where Malik Newman's going. I don't think Malik Newman knows where Malik Newman, right. Newman's I going. Right, I think that's what it is. I think Malik Newman hasn't made a decision yet. So, old Dickie yeah. Scruggs needs to write a check and let's make something happen. <laughs> we'll name the, the Malik Newman Pavilion. We'll <laughs> Hashtag the network, right? But, no um, – <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that is the biggest storyline, uh, basically in the state of Mississippi, really. For I mean, Malik Newman's a program-changing player, um, a player the likes of which Ole Miss has never seen, State's never seen. So we're watching that. We're following it. Um, after basketball season ends here in a, in a week or two, or tomorrow, that's a storyline that will completely consume uh, our watching and covering of basketball. So we'll be watching that one. Uh, another thing just to hit real quick, um, Anthony Grant has been fired at the University of Alabama as their head basketball coach. Did you see, John, on uh, rebelgrove.com, 
Uh, Neil McCready says his sources at Alabama indicate there might be some interest in hiring Andy Kennedy. What do you think about that? <laughs> that, that would be hilarious. AK's a, we deserve he, it. Ole Miss fans would deserve coach. that. Yeah, yeah Ole Miss pro- fans the, would deserve that for all the crap they talked about Kennedy because he pro- is a good coach. The problem is, is he'd go to a place that it's not a basketball school, I mean a football school, number number the number one sports football, and he'd be in a 50-year-old building again. So I think yep. Coleman's yeah, actually that's older than the Tad Pad. And he's getting a new That's building on this, so That's I don't. It, it's 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 a it'd be a lateral move. I mean, a, a, no, it's totally true. Going. You know, AK is not leaving when he finally got his arena. I mean, how long is he even asking for this? I mean, he's not gone this year. There's there's no question there. He, I don't think he would take. I it would it would be it have to be a huge promotion. That's not happening. So purely speculation at this point. No idea who Alabama is going to get. We'll probably know in the next few weeks. We'll see on that one. Um. So, yeah, watch for Ole Miss tomorrow versus BYU, uh, 8 p.m. Central, True TV. Hopefully it'll be a good game, and Ole Miss will keep winning. And, heck, we'll win three games, and we can talk about it again next week. But uh, we'll see. We're going to move now to a little baseball talk. Uh, it was a big week for Ole Miss. We talked about it on the podcast last week. Five very tough games. Went on the road at number eight, Louisville, for a two-game midweek. And then traveled to Baton Rouge to open up SEC play against number four LSU, number one in some poll, but I think somewhere around one through five in every poll. Uh, both really good clubs. We'll start with the Louisville games. Ole Miss kind of came out and got drubbed in the first game. Uh, you know, didn't look like a good matchup for Ole Miss, like it was going to be kind of um, strengths on weaknesses. Uh, and then it turned around the next day, Sam Smith got the start. Had a great start at Louisville. Probably the best you've seen out of Sam in a long time. Um, and basically what happened was Louisville's ugly, uh, you know, warty part of their makeup showed its its head. And that is that they're very air prone in the field. Um, almost his first three runs were scored on, obvi- honestly, John, uh, Maybe the worst error I've ever seen. Bases loaded, two outs, foul pop-up, and the right fielder knocks the ball fair off of his glove. And with two outs, everybody's running, scores three runs on what should have been a foul pop-up. Just just absurd. I think the next two runs for Ole Miss were also unearned. Louisville just really gave Ole Miss the game. But a great win on the road at number eight. Um, took a little bit of momentum into LSU. Lost a Friday night game in a tough decision. First loss to Christian Trent's career. Um, but, you know, it couldn't come in a, in a better atmosphere. No better place to lose than Alex Box Stadium. Um, Saturday was a very exciting game. Went 14 innings. Ole Miss ended up pulling it out at the very end. Uh, really a great team win. A resilience win. Um, and we'll not talk about what happened on Sunday. Sunday pitching is Sunday pitching for Ole Miss, and it's not great. And uh, Ole Miss got bombed. I think the final score was like 18-6 to or something like that. Kind of similar to the Sunday game uh, at UCF. But uh, 2-3 and is good this week, John. We said that on the podcast. We said to go 2-3 and would be a real achievement. Obviously, sitting at 2-2 and going into Sunday in Baton Rouge, you could hope that you could find a way to win that game. But, you know, when Ole Miss is Sunday pitching, starts doing what it does, you kind of lose all hope and realize that, Basically, if you want to win a series, you're going to have to win Friday and Saturday this year if you're old Miss. But that's where we are, two and three. Good week, John. What do you think? What do you see this week? Goods and bads. Well, they, from a record standpoint, they did exactly what they needed to do. I mean, and you could, I mean, a, a very good, I mean, 
last year's team would have taken two and three this week as far as, I mean, results from that, that perspective. It's, and it's interesting. I mean, you watch it and there's a lot of, I mean, there's defensive lapses. I don't know how many unearned runs they gave up this week, but it was pretty yeah. brutal to watch. But, I mean, like he said, Louisville did the same thing. Um, Ella, I mean, they – they could have won the game Friday night in Baton Rouge if they didn't have that atrocious that's that atrocious fourth inning that kind of put them behind the eight ball. But regardless, I mean, so really, I mean, the the pitching situation on Sunday is the is the biggest problem right now from the from this team's perspective. Sam, I mean, Sam had a good outing, a uh, good four innings against Louisville, and then turned around and just got absolutely shelled um, yesterday in the series finale against LSU. They, I don't know what I mean. Mike, Mike's got to look at making a change there. The question is, who does he go to? He's got a couple options, either Stokes or uh, or Wagaspec. Stokes Wagaspec, has yeah. terrific stuff. You probably ideally wish you didn't, ha- you didn't have to put him in that spot as a freshman. But on, on, this, this team is based off so many young young players. I mean, part of me, I, honestly, I'm on board with throw Stokes on Sunday and just let it let it let it. Yeah, rip. I, I really like Stokes. He's a really good pitcher. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many innings he could give you on Sunday, but it's it's you, you can't start Smith again, can you? I mean, it, it's to the point now where do anything with him but start him on Sundays. I mean, it's just the last basically year. I mean, he started last season looking pretty good on Sundays. We talked about having three legit starters, but it's been downhill for a while now. I mean, do you think this is the week that uh the Mike makes a change? You got number one Florida coming into Oxford for the home opener this week. Um, stealing a series this weekend would be huge for Ole Miss's RPI. Really good for its future resume. I mean, do you think you're going to see somebody else in the mound on Sunday, John? It wouldn't. I mean, I could see Sam getting one more shot at this and yeah. having a super title. That, 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 that's my best guess. I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's every week. I think every week you're going to say, I think Sam's going to get one more shot, and then I, he's just always going to start the whole year. That's going to keep yeah. happening. That's, just, that's what I've seen so far. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's for real this time. I mean, Mike went and got after a third of an inning on Sunday, and so it was. And well, he, he had he had to. It was it was awful. Yeah, but he but he also knew he had nothing behind him besides Wags yeah. because I mean, because short weather's being Stokes all through on Saturday. He but if he, I, I think if he hadn't got Sam, we'd still be in the first inning, John. Yeah. I think it, it, it would still <laughs> be going true. on. Sam Smith, four thousand pitch count, and uh, LSU is up by eight hundred. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, how but, in the uh, speak, yeah. going to Saturday? They win the game where they give up three hundred runs and how many strikeouts did they have? Was it 22? 22? I mean, 22. Yeah. The, the, they ran out. LSU ran out of room and K signs to put up, and yet lost the game, <laughs> which is hilarious. That is the most twenty fifteen Ole Miss Rebels thing ever. Like that's the team we're watching. It's like in between strikeouts, try to fit some home runs in and hope it's enough to win. Yeah. That's the strategy for this year. Absolutely. Another interesting note too is just right, Colby Bortles benched on a Saturday and Sunday from the starting lineup. Looks like yeah. he, I think he, looks like he did pinch hit on a pinch hit on Saturday, on Sun- but he and on he, Sunday he, too. But nobody was watching. Yeah, no, yeah, everybody, that, that game was over. Turn it off and go be productive. It's more more just productive to watch that. But he, Bo- I watched Bortles a couple of his at bats on Friday night. He looks lost at the plate right now and should yeah. they, and that which is a real. Uh, shot in the go. I mean, Kyle Watson and Golson have actually done a, a, well, a di- they've done as about as much as you could hope for from two freshmen at the top of the yeah, order. Yeah, they've, they've they've really impressed. For I mean, you can't expect much with two freshmen getting the start at the top of the order like yeah. that. But 
I mean, I, I don't know, man. Um, Watkins is the, I mean, Watson's the real deal. Uh, that catch to end the game on Saturday night was so awesome. I mean, it was like a bases loaded, long pop fly that he had to run down to end the game. And just, you know, freshman making plays, you know. He's, he's going to be a great player for Ole Miss, no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, you see this team's got s- some very young, talented pieces that, I mean, next year and year after that, they really should be pretty solid in those spots, which is, which is kind of that's part of why I'm yeah. on the Stokes bandwagon for Sunday. Let's just throw him out there and get him some ex- get him some starting experience because he's he looks like a starter next year. Because why he's gonna have to be, yeah. Why it's gonna be the closer effectively next year? And uh, we're not giving up on this season, but I mean, I I mean, if I'm Bianco, I throw the all the young guys out there. They've got it. They're probably gonna be as effective as it, as anybody you got. Get them experience. Just your goal is to sneak and go find a way to go 15 and 15 in conference play if you can, 14, 16. Sneak in the NCAA tournament. You have you have two frontline starters. Maybe you can get Stokes in a position where he has a shot at being a real flash in the pan and dominant on, on a couple of Sundays. I feel like if you started Stokes with nine on nine Sunday games, I feel like he could he would be competitive in five of them, and then four of them he'd just be young and experienced. But the way Sam's going, I mean, yeah. If you if, if you gave if you gave Mike four Sunday wins right now he would sign for it based on their pitching situation which all goes back to Sean Johnson having Tommy Johns yeah. at the start of the season which and is, and that's something else you have to remember I mean Brady Bramlett next year and then Sean Johnson will be back and then also you have Will Stokes so and there's you your have rotation Jacob Wag is now back. ready to yeah. go yeah with right so Wag so I it'll look good yeah I, it, it, putting Wags on Sunday would make sense too although I probably I like I said. I like Wags out of the pen. So, personally, I think that if Ole Miss had lost on Saturday night, uh, we were going to see Stokes or Wags back get the start um, with Smith getting the midweek start. But they used, they ended up using Stokes in the 11th or 12th uh, in the Saturday night. And I, and I think when, John, or when uh, Mike Bianco got that win on Saturday night, he said, well, you know, maybe Sam Smith said would be a senior and Ole Miss could somehow find a way to win a series in Baton Rouge for the first time since 1982. He threw the ball well Wednesday, too. So right, like maybe he'll right. So I, I think the plan, if Ole Miss was 0-2, to say, forget it, we're getting swept, it's 0-3, let's get some arms out there. But Mike saw, well, maybe we can figure out a way to steal this game. It just it did not happen. LSU really um, relieved some of their frustrations from facing Christian Tritt and Brady Bramlett uh, across the Sunday pitchers, which is quite quite brutally. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting. They they, they survive record wise, and they've they've got to figure out what they're going to do on Sunday, and they've got to stop uh, striking yeah. out so much. It's just absolutely ridiculous. They only had four strikeouts on Sunday, though, as I look at this, versus they're just twenty two Saturday, and they had twelve on Friday. So that's that is a lot. What is that for the yeah. weekend? Six. That's thirty-eight strikeouts on the weekend. That is, that's not good. It's, it's not the best. That's that's not the best. But one of those games did last fourteen innings at least. That's our consolation. Um, Ole Miss gets Arkansas Pine Bluff in the midweek, I believe. That, uh, that right. might that might be tomorrow. I'm not entirely sure. Um, something tells me that it's a school game. So maybe it's like an eleven a.m. start or something. I don't know. Um, I guess you can watch it on SEC Plus. I mean, it's, it's yep. in Oxford, so it should be on uh, watchespn.com. As we mentioned earlier, um, number one in some polls, Florida, comes to Oxford this weekend. Um, I happen to know if you're going to be in Oxford, the first 1,500 fans at Swayze 
uh, are getting these commemorative College World Series coins that are pretty sweet. So if you're going to be in town Friday night, I suggest you uh, you get to Swayze Field early and get a commemorative coin. And if you want to get me one too, that's cool. I won't be there because uh, it's St. Patrick's Day in Jackson, which is one of the few times when Jackson's worth you know, going out in. So I'll be in Jackson, but if you want to bring me a coin, I'd love that. That would be cool. Big series, obviously, for Ole Miss. You find a way to win two, I mean, you're back in the top 25. Um, just to, just winning one is, is a victory. So Ole Miss has to go out with a winning mindset on Friday, try to get some hitting behind Christian Trent. Uh, and if you win Friday night, you feel really good with Brady Bramlett on Saturday. So we'll see what happens. I haven't gotten a chance to watch what's Florida this year, John, but uh, I assume they are good. They were they they were young last year and got really hot. I think they, they were the two seed overall, and then uh, their youth showed up and they flopped in the regional. But they're good, I guess. As far the question is, what do we think they need to do this week, record wise? Um, normally you say midweek doesn't matter. They they need to win this nah, midweek. You need, they, you need to win just for your overall record. I mean, you, you're not you, an eight. You need a winning record to be NCAA tournament eligible, and they're gonna they're gonna be hovering around 500 the whole time because you know I mean you know Bianco's gonna lose to lose the Governor's Cup. To Southern, gonna lose, gonna lose one game state. in Memphis. Yep. I mean, oh yeah. So they this is a pretty. They need to win this midweek, and yeah, I was thinking they needed to find a way to take two out of three. But if, if I forget Florida being one of the consensus yeah. a consensus top five team i mean but, two of three is a huge victory but one of three is fine forward. just get just get a game they're two and four see then they get then they got to go to arkansas yeah i mean yeah they need to if they if they could find between if they could go three and three between florida and arkansas they would be what four and five overall come back home be good so they they don't have to get to. They don't have to win this series, but it would certainly help given the, the tough stretch they have here. But they, they they cannot get swept. That is no. They have to win a, a game against Florida. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and the, the schedule really gets rolling. I mean, this is a, a a big weekend series in Oxford, so definitely excited about that. Uh, it'll so probably Justin, be on TV. I, I, I got a question for you. Go ahead. So I heard the network's been like catfishing everybody. Can you fill me in on what's going on? I just saw this on. I haven't been able to dive into this right. visit here in Boston. Right. So, okay, guys. Okay, listeners. Basically, Ole Miss is screwed. There's like it's over, guys. Um, Mississippi State goddess. Uh, I don't know if you know who Steve Robertson is, but uh, some call him Rose Bowl. He is a reporter for Scout.com that covers Mississippi State. And uh, he basically uncovered the national treasure scale conspiracy behind Ole Miss's recruiting success. And it all comes down to a anonymous Twitter account that was using pictures that belonged to a girl from Atlanta uh, and claimed it, claiming to be an Ole Miss fan. This has been going on for a couple of years at least. Uh, her username was FinsUpAP. That was her latest one. It changed several times. Uh, she claimed her name was Annalisa Presley. Uh, she said he was from Tremont, Mississippi, which I know now because I read Steve Robertson's article is an extremely small town that he thought necessary to drive to. And uh, he printed out pictures of this supposed Ole Miss fan who turned out to be um, a different person entirely and so walked wait, around Tremont wait, wait. and asked people if they'd ever seen her before. What? So he drove to this yes. town near Fulton? Guys, guys, if you want to know, if you want to know who's winning the rivalry – Mississippi State beat writers have so little to do. They are driving to small towns of Mississippi to investigate the veracity of Ole Miss fans on Twitter. But to Robertson's credit, he was right. 
Um, it was a catfish account, which raises a lot of other interesting questions like, what the hell is going on? Who is this person that has been interacting with fans, coaches, players for the last two or three years? Uh, this person who has written and appeared on uh, podcasts and articles for uh, Make It Rain Sports. This is a Mississippi-based sports website, um, which is just, just not very good, honestly. To me, that's the key to the whole thing. Uh, this anonymous person, Annalisa Presley, is very tied up in Make It Rain Sports. Uh, which started right around the same time as her Twitter account uh, from everything that I've read, although they had an account today on their site that says that's not the case. But basically, either they're the biggest idiots of all and got duped by this person uh, the hardest. They let her write on their site. They had her on their podcast. They defended the fact that she was a real person and an old Miss fan for a long time. Uh, that's what they want you to believe is that they got catfished. But if you ask me, John, these guys... Guys like us trying to start some little sports venture for fun were so desperate to get readers in the beginning. They had to create a girl to pretend to be a fan of their stuff and eventually to write for them and to engage with them and retweet their stuff, stuff like that. It's Honestly, it's very pathetic, um, especially since the two of the founders claim to be Ole Miss fans, and now the story is kind of being a little bit used to drag Ole Miss's name through the mud. I think Deadspin had a headline, you know, a Twitter account recruiting for Ole Miss turns out to be catfish, blah, blah, blah. The recruiting claim is a little nebulous. I think perhaps the account tweeted at recruits occasionally, although a lot of accounts do in every fan base. I don't think it was any more frequent or any less above board than any other account tweeting at them. Um, you know, Elite Dogs has been trying to turn this into basically Hugh Freeze and uh, Ross Bjork sitting behind a computer somewhere using the picture of some girl from Atlanta to to chat with, you know, high school boys. And that's clearly not what's going on. I think that Hugh Freeze did fall for it and get catfished. He wished her a happy birthday on Twitter. Um, and as you know, John, fake people do not have birthdays. So that just in and of itself was incorrect. Um, yeah, it's a little embarrassing. A little embarrassing for Ole Miss. But honestly, I think it's more embarrassing for all the Mississippi State fans that thought it was going to somehow signal the death knell of Ole Miss football. But, you know, that's recruiting, man. It's a crazy world. I think I have the explanation. Well, there's a couple things here. You Google this, Deadspin actually posted something about it. So Steve Robertson yeah. got on Deadspin. So this is clearly a completely legit source. And there's a follow-up article here that's saying that this, uh, this chick consulted a Tiffany Sawmill to get advice. <laughs> On how yeah, to no, undercover operation. So that sounds about right. That sounds that's about like, right. Um, apparently, that's this, one. That's the top undercover uh, consulting firm available sure. for no, this. No, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna pretend to be a girl, there's no one better uh, to talk to than Tiffany Sawmill. But uh, that's a story for another time, I'd say. Um, yeah, the, it's over, John. You may as well give up being an Ole Miss fan. They they figured Finn's out AP up. Um, they, you know, the, the the jig is up, but. No, no, it's it's fun. It was a fun week on Twitter. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on on the other side of the state with the Mississippi State fan base. We're not going to get into it, although it would be fun just because we like to say we're better than them and that we don't talk about their problems. But let's just say Mississippi State hasn't had the best spring break as far as their current football players are concerned. No, uh, let's, obviously, let, let's what? mention this for a minute. Like, so how you many want to talk about is... the DAC attack? How many words has a Rose Bowl written on a 
on the whole Dak Prescott getting his ass straight whipped in the fight. I mean, that was he, that was bad. Now, Man. now, now, if he if he was assaulted, did nothing. Obviously, that's yeah. that is a concern. The fact that they didn't press charges, I think, a couple. Re- they're probably not really don't want this to linger on or move forward with it. But look, well, being I mean, you saw being, being the somebody media. noticeable in PCB right. is just not a good idea. In fact, ask I mean, Bo Wallace, ask Denzel. They know yeah. they know firsthand. It is kind of a little bit of karma for the whole Bo and Denzel thing last year. I will say that, but I'm kind of I'm, I'm waiting for a I'm waiting for a report on the details of that. I mean, Steve Robertson could have driven to PCB. He probably would have had more fun there than he would have driving to what Tremont. What was the name of that town? Tremont, Tremont, Tremont Mississippi. Excuse me, Tremont. So yeah, it's very yeah, exciting. I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get more details into the DAC. I mean, that was I mean. The DAC, the DAC attack. Well, you saw, we have a new, you saw we have a new meaning told. for that name right. now. <laughs> the, the, DAC attack, the DAC attack uh, has its true meaning now. Well, I mean, like I said, we won't linger on this. This is not a podcast about Mississippi State. Although, if it was about Mississippi State, we'd probably talk about Ole Miss more than we actually do. But I, I digress. Um, basically, uh, DAC told the Panama City Police Department that some dudes were hating on him. He just said, yeah, a bunch of dudes were hating on me, man. And that's pretty intense hating. I've never been hated on with a bottle or a, or kicked in the head. That's how much they, they hated on me. But uh, that's what happens, man. You, when you're when you're the DAC attack, you got haters. They're probably questioning his calves and just saying that they weren't as, as impressive as, as, as he thought that they should be. You got to respect the calves. I understand that. Um, that's it, though, man. You got anything else you want to talk about this week, John? Yeah, a little programming note, and we can just kind of tease this for everybody. So I am traveling... For I am traveling right. to Australia, leaving Friday. It's a 15-hour time. I'll be there for a week. Uh, it's a 15-hour time difference, so we could theoretically try to sync up a time to do a podcast, as I think out loud here, because we can. I Perhaps. can do it in the, the maybe Sunday morning. You can do it Saturday evening. Well, depend. We got to see. I think Ole Miss is the Thursday Saturday. We can. I will miss there if they if they get to Saturday somehow, which would be well, that'd be hilarious in and of itself. But I will probably miss that. So maybe I'll well, call if you they win, call me in. If they win this weekend, John, you have to stay in Australia. I hope you know that. If, if okay, Ole Miss yeah. wins three games, you can't leave Australia. That's just bad. Well, I'll for be him. there for through the Sweet Sixteen. So yeah, I mean, it there you just go. Perfect. Works out. Yeah. So like John's getting that. Um, we're not positive what the format's going to be the next couple of weeks. Obviously, uh, we may you bring on. We may bring have a special guest host. Talk a little spring football. We'll yeah, I told, I told, uh, I told Will Bedwell he could maybe come on with me. I don't know what he wants to talk about, but he said something about hosting with me. Um, maybe reverse the format a little bit where he he plays my role and I'm more of your knowledgeable role since he definitely doesn't. Yeah, know we could do that one in the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, look for look for some some diversity in the upcoming weeks. Um, have fun in Australia, John. I think the weather's going to be a little different there than in Boston, probably. Probably a yeah. little less snow. It's going to be about 85 and sunny every day in the tropics. So That doesn't sound too bad deal. at all. Sounds like a yeah, good man. deal. All right, guys. Um, that's going to do it for us this week. Catch Ole Miss in the NCAA tournament, round of 68. That's the, that's the asterisk disclaimer on the end. But in the tournament uh, tomorrow on Tuesday against BYU, uh, some baseball this week and spring football continues. Grove Bowl coming up April 4th. So lots of stuff for us to talk about. Shea Patterson is still committed to Ole Miss. Don't worry. Uh, everything is going to be okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll see you next time.
easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.